my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play everyone you are listening to the mark ma show we're talking about bitcoin and cryptocurrencies we're talking about the decentralized revolution of course each and every week and as i constantly say all the time that to really get to understand what is going on with bitcoin and this decentralized revolution that's happening there's so many different areas to dive into which is why i can sit here and talk for you hours and hours and hours each and every week to you because there's never ending amount of content that we can talk about which keeps it um, fun it keeps it interesting and it also keeps you on your toes now we'd like to say that you know bitcoin leads you into this rabbit hole because there's so much information that you can um, dig into now this week um, i have a special guest i have uh, one of my good friends alex svetsky in the studio with me and we thought we'd talk about um, one big area so what there's a lot of different places that you can focus on Bitcoin. And um, some people want to talk about the the money side or some people want to talk about the technical side. Um, I like to focus on why. Why should we even care about Bitcoin? And of course, to understand why, you have to understand some of the problems that we're having today. And so I thought we'd bring Alex in and we'd talk about something um, that's really a big problem right now. And it's a big problem even specifically. And we're going to have to dance around this topic as we talk about the topic. 
Um, but it's uh, it's 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 about uh, we'll, we'll call it uh, we'll call it a attack on our private property, which is a big subject. But I want to talk about attack on private property, which is probably the most sacred private property, which is my own thoughts. And when I'm, when my speech, what I'm able to say gets censored and I have to watch what I say, then I have to start censoring what I think, which is what I'm doing right now as I'm trying to think about how I can dance around this subject. And so um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're being attacked by all those things. And I got uh, my good friend Alex Fetsky in the, in the studio with me to talk about this. What's up, Alex? What's up, man? Sorry, that was just funny. <laughs> It was, um, it was it was funny, yeah. <laughs> Sad but true. Yes, yes. What a strange world we're living in. Um, so I assume I assume what you're talking about there is this idea of the freedom to think or the freedom to speak. You know, the fact that the the, the thought police are out there uh, monitoring what we think, say, and do. Well, they're definitely monitoring what we say, and mm-hmm. um, but but when I have to monitor what I say so I don't get caught by them, then I have to monitor what I think. Monitor what you think, yeah. Yeah. Which is which is interesting. I I was uh I was out surfing this morning and uh, one of my buddies was in the water and I said, "Hey, did you catch that latest Joe Rogan episode um where he had that Dr. McCullough on there?" And uh we were talking about that episode which has gone crazy viral by the way, which we won't dig into a whole lot. But he said um he said, "You know, they the government cannot refute anything he said. So all they can do is censor him." And I was like, "Dang." <laughs> um yeah, if you can't, uh, there's a quote that I keep saying over and over. I recently heard, and I just love it. It says that ripping a man's tongue out does not prove him wrong. It only proves you. you only proves you. You're afraid of what he might say. Um, so anyway, I don't know. I think about that, but I mean, what the heck does that have to do with Bitcoin? Well, let me let me flip and ask you a question. Um, you know, people, particularly in America, you've got encoded in the Constitution, the First Amendment, this idea of freedom of speech and you know everyone talks about it and takes the general idea for granted i mean you know there's a lot of stupid people out there who don't think it's a good idea um but you know i think by and large if you're a if you're a intellectually competent human being um you understand at least um at, at the very least you agree with the notion that freedom of speech is important but i don't know if many people can articulate uh, why it's important. So maybe maybe I'm going to throw the question at you, and you might have heard me mention it a little bit with um, with JP when we were doing that spaces. But in your mind, Mark, why why do you think freedom of speech is important, or why do you think it's a good thing in general? Well, I would say the the freedom of speech is important. I mean, obviously, it's a deep subject, but I think overall that it's the way that we learn, and so um, we don't know the right things to say. We learn the truth through discussion. And um, so I think that's a big one. So we can learn through discussion. I would say it also encourages learning and also creativity. And so all progress in the world comes from creativity. And if we limit creativity and limit learning, then we limit progress as well. Um, so I'd say I'd say those are probably two pretty big reasons why it's pretty important. Okay. Yep. Yep. I think that's definitely you know in the right direction. I think. For me, I want to take it up a notch, and you know, I'm, I'm doing some thinking around this and writing a new article called. Uh, it, it's it's a it's a dive into how censorship has become profitable, and it's called the um, the a new Leviathan, um, and it and it looks at how the the tech oligopolies are kind of becoming um, quasi government operations in a sense, um, and basically at this point. 
Much like um, if you've ever read uh, anything about biology and this idea of the revolutionary phenotype, how DNA took over RNA as RNA used it as a mechanism to uh, replicate. Um, and then, you know, RNA used DNA as a mechanism to replicate to the point where DNA was able to just replicate itself and it subsumed RNA into it. And then DNA became the, the primary species and RNA became subservient to it. And, um, and it's really interesting. There's, there's something similar happening here with, um, with governments and, and large uh, tech uh, oligopolies where, you know, they, they, they are at this point, you know, we're sort of in the phase of um, the inversion where we're in the phase of the, the government is effectively mandating and using these uh, technology companies to basically be a branch or an executioner of its mandates. Um, but at some point, you know, they're going to, and it's, we're already seeing it in many ways, they're going to become more powerful than the government and they can do what the hell they want. And it kind of, you get this inversion. And, and that's, that's a dangerous thing for society because then you, you know, power continues to centralize. Uh, you, you jump from the fry pan into the fire and all this sort of stuff. But in each of these models, like there's a, there's a, there's a thread within them, which is this idea that uh, censorship becomes a profitable mechanism. And for me, um, I wanted to take a step back and think about like, what, why, why is free speech important? And if free speech is a good thing and it is important, it actually should be the most um, profitable mechanism for you know, human beings to use, to cooperate and to interact, right? Um, and if it's not profitable, then, you know, it's actually probably not a good thing because profit suggests in some way, shape or form that what you're doing is um, perceived as valuable. So I guess I look at society as this complex system, right? And we, you know, society is made up of a diverse range of individuals, of human beings, um, of collectives at every single dimension, whether it's the tribe, the community, the corporation, you know, whatever institution, etc. So you've got all of these um, entities operating and operating uh, with some sort of intention to continue to survive or exist or do the best for itself, right? Um, and in doing so, you've got this kind of like this almost a, a functional madness of the crowds and in order for this complex system to to subsist, um, and and this is this is uh, found in all complex system, whether it's the human body, whether it's society, whether it's an economy, whether it's whatever mycelium, etc. The the capacity for feedback loops to to signal either bad actions or good actions, so that bad actions can be corrected and good actions can be doubled down on depends upon really good um, communication to flow through the system. If you clog up the communication, the system can't permeate um, uh, information properly and therefore value judgments can't be made and therefore the system begins to break down and decay. You know, that's what you have when you have a clogged up human body, for example, a sick human body. S signals are not flowing properly and, and the body dies. And let's, that's what uh, we're sort of seeing yeah, let's let's hold right there. 
That's something I was talking about, like the supply chain is breaking down because that price signal is getting distorted as well. Uh, I want to dig more into that. We're talking about uh, free speech, but how this ties back into Bitcoin. So stay with us. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin, talking about cryptocurrencies, talking about this decentralized revolution, talking about how free speech is important and how Bitcoin can fix that. Uh, it's the long way around, but these are the things that you need to know. It's why Bitcoin can change the world. Uh, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Hey everyone, welcome back. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and this decentralized revolution that is literally changing the course of humanity. It's that big. And I say it's that big because it's literally going to change the entire way the world works, the way that humanity works, and it's going to change every part of life. And so we talk about all these different areas, um, all these reasons why Bitcoin would be important, all these reasons of what are these things that what Bitcoin can fix. And right now, um, I'm in the studio with uh, my good friend, Alex Svetsky, and we're talking about free speech and thought and why that's so important and how Bitcoin can fix this. Um, it's an interesting conversation and it's something bigger than you might have thought about. And before the break, Alex, you were um, kind of explaining how when you um, how free speech is necessary. It's the signal that allows all this information to kind of move through a society or a civilization. And when you free when you when you kind of censor free speech, you start to jam that up. I think that's kind of where you're at. Pretty much, pretty much. So, so free speech has a functional role to play in a functional society. It, it, it means that communication can flow and bad decision-making can be corrected and good decision-making can be doubled down. Now, this is only the reality when the, um, the world that we live in is actually representative or reminiscent of reality and and, and so, so what i mean by that is currently we have a world in which our economies are defined not by what is actually happening out there in the world but are defined by made-up models that academics and keynesians and central bankers and central planners make up that are you know theoretic purely theoretic they do not match anything that reality actually, you know, represents backwards, you know, so, so sort of like, you know, they have a model and they say, you know, inflation is this, um, but in their model, they're like, okay, well, let's just take out energy. Let's just take out food. Let's just take out all the things that are actually going up in price and let's just keep, you know, televisions in there, you know, things, you yeah. know, let's keep iPhones in there. Like let's keep uh, Netflix in there. So it's like the model has zero representation to the real world. Um, and, you know, they kind of lie to themselves. And, and this is where um, free speech is actually not profitable. If you want to lie to yourself, if you want to build a system and a model that can only subsist based upon a lie, you, the only mechanism that you have to remain profitable, quote unquote, is to censor the truth and to censor the feedback so that you can subsist. And, and what that does is it creates an incentive for the institutional, whoever is operating that model, to basically leech from somewhere and basically steal, rob, pillage in, in whatever you know method it needs. So whether that's taxation and inflation, mindlessly borrowing from the future and increasing debt ceilings and stuff like that. You, you have to do that so that you can continue lying to yourself um, and tell yourself that the model is real. But 
you can't do that in reality. And, and this is the big divergence. For, for me, this is like the center of the divergence of humanity at the moment is like we are operating on a map that does not represent the territory. Like we are literally on an island somewhere and we're reading a map and the map tells us that there's grass and, you know, lakes and everything everywhere and it's all beautiful. But, you know, you look aside from the map and it's like desert and you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? So you're, 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 you're dying um, and there's, there's other people around you all have a little bit of water and they're like, hey man, we're in the desert. We're all going to die if we don't find water. And you're like, no, no, no. The map says there's water everywhere. And because you're the owner of the map, you take everybody else's water and you keep drinking it for yourself and everybody else around you is dying. Um, and you keep deluding yourself that the map is the reality when it's not. That's the world yeah. that we're living in because we've conflated the model for reality. And in that sense, the speech that is coming from those around you who are basically dying of thirst now because you keep stealing the water, you want to censor them and say, shut up, the map is real. Yeah. And that's what we're suffering from today. So um, in, a, in a way then by censoring the speech, it censors that uh, or distorts that signal. And, and is that sort of how the, the price signals also getting distorted? I mean, it's still, it's distorting communication that controls the economies and the uh, and, you know, supply chains that way? Correct. So, so think about this. Every, everything that we do is an economic function, right? So when we perform any form of action, um, it is a decision. So, so we're making a value judgment in order to make a decision in order to know where to allocate our precious time and energy, right? So, so in that sense, free speech is actually an economic function. It helps us make that value judgment. So when we distort that uh, economic function, we then start to distort all the subsequent signals that come after that. And we can then not make accurate value judgments. And we start creating and doing stupid things that don't make sense. And then we also don't know that we're doing stupid things that don't make sense because we don't have the, the feedback mechanism. And right. th this sort of then ties into why the the advent or the discovery, whatever you wanna call something like Bitcoin. So, so I, let, let's just even transcend the name Bitcoin, like the idea of discovering energy money where the, the, the money represents the, the finite resources that are time and energy like when those two are tied together, like I call it the, the fusion of the physical and the metaphysical, when those two come together and when you perform a bad economic action because you've made a bad value judgment and therefore, you know, squandered your resources, your time and energy, you actually lose this energy money, you lose Bitcoin. Um, you have a direct feedback mechanism telling you that what you're doing is wrong and you cannot lie to yourself. But when you have fiat money and you make a poor economic decision, like let's lock down half the world um, and in doing so, let's then print two and a half trillion dollars or whatever, and then prices go up, then you can lie and you can say, okay, let's just print some more money. Let's blame the businesses. Let's blame the greedy capitalists, blame everybody else. But you are creating the problem and you just keep lying about it. Like on a Bitcoin standard, you just can't do that because like the, the feedback is instant. It's like you lost the money. You're dead. You're you know you're uh, you're bankrupt. Yeah. You're broke. Uh, on a on a fiat standard, you can just add some extra digits. Yeah. So in a sense, then you're saying that the the free speech is the signal, sort of like the price is the signal, and um, in pricing, we need profit. So businesses need profit. To 
to chase. That's what gives us that feedback loop. If I'm not making a profit, then nobody wants what I have to offer. It's wrong. It's misaligned. And if I am making a profit, that means I found a good market fit. And so there's that feedback loop. And we can also find the same thing, I'm guessing, with speech. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to uh, The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in this decentralized revolution. I'm in the studio with Alex Fetsky, and we're talking about a little bit of a philosophical entry into Bitcoin to kind of explain why Bitcoin is so important, but even more importantly, how it can really change the world through things that most people don't really attribute things like money to fix. And so we're talking about free speech. He was kind of giving us an intro into how free speech is a signal and then how that kind of goes into profits. Um, so I want to get into more of that in a second. Um, if you're on Twitter, you can find me at number one, Mark Moss. Shoot me a question. And we got Alex at, at Ghost of Svetsky. That's S-V-E-T-S-K-I. So give us a give us a follow. Give us a question. Um, we're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about this decentralized revolution. We're talking about why it's important. We're talking about how speech, censoring speech, distorts the signal, sort of like profit. We're going to be right back with more. Don't go away. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. 
All right, everyone, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about this giant decentralized revolution that is happening. We're, we're, we're living through it. We're witnessing it right now. And, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. It's, it's like digital gold, right? Oh, no, no, it's like, it's like digital money. Sure, I get it, I get it, right? Um, yeah, it, it is those things. It is, sure, it is. But it's so much more. That's like when electricity was invented, and somebody says, I get it, I get electricity. It's like a digital candle, right? And like, why do I need that? Because like a candle is better. It's been light for 5,000 years and it's portable and I don't need wires. Um, and so, yeah, sure. It was like a digital candle, but it's so much more. And so, so Bitcoin is like digital gold, but it's so much more. And it's something that can even change the world be because of the censorship of speech and communication. And Alex Fetsky uh, is in the studio with me right now. He's explaining this to us. And I kind of cut you off before that, emer that, that last break there. But you were explaining, I think you were about to transition into how um, speech is this feedback loop. And then it kind of goes into like profit, how profit is also a feedback loop for businesses. I think that's kind of where you were. Yeah. So, so I guess to tie this all together, um, what I've said in the past, um, I was with Nat Brunel on a, on a little podcast a couple of weeks ago. And one of the points I was making was, I think Bitcoin's biggest impact on society is going to be the fact that it will make economic consequences. It'll, it'll, it'll reintroduce economic consequence to all action, um, whether at the corporate, individual, institutional, whatever level, right? So, so it makes action accountable uh, because at the moment, if you're close enough to the monetary spigot, you are not accountable to anybody or anything. You can make, you can perform badly and you just print the money, you borrow the money, you, you know, you create a, you know, you tax it from someone, right? So, so when you have that moral hazard, everything else distorts and then everything downstream starts to deform, right? By Bitcoin becoming a standard economic consequence, like I, I, I've written here, it's like Bitcoin makes economic consequence great again, but in doing so, because economic consequence is so tight, tightly um, tied to action. And at that point, it actually makes free speech profitable again. And that's what we need to do. We need to make free speech profitable again, because if you are a business of any kind operating on a Bitcoin standard and you don't have the option of being bailed out, you don't have, you know, a, a government doesn't have the option of just bailing you out for poor decision making or for whatever, um, you will go ahead and censor someone um, because, you know, at the moment the government pays, you know, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatever, or mandates them, which, which is another form of, I guess, uh, it's a reverse payment, right? It's like, if you don't do this, we'll shut you down. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a different, it's a, it's a different uh, economic reason to do so, right? But when that can't happen, censorship actually becomes a not very profitable business model. Like if you're going to go on one platform uh, and you're censored and, you know, versus another platform and you're not censored, like, where are you going to go? So, so it's like, that is, I think, how we fix this censorship problem. It's not through decentralization. It's not through, you know, building some sort of, you know, uh, you know, DeFi version of Twitter or anything like that. It's by removing the problem upstream, making all action economically accountable, um, introducing consequence to all action and making all service providers, whether companies, institutions, governments, or whatever, actual, um, service providers, not overlords to their customers. And the customers are anybody holding Bitcoin um, well, because in this game, you can't just take it from them. So um, I get that, but it, something I think about um, in, in regards to a free market, um, 
censorship might actually be profitable. So for example, if I want some somewhere for my kids to go into some sort of kids community, for example, I might I might prefer as a paying customer to pay for them to go in a community that is censored, where they censor all that stuff out, right? Um, but then for me, I would prefer to go into another community that I can talk to my audience that isn't censored, right? And so um, it could be, I mean, censorship could be a profitable model, um, but it just goes back to the free market and what the free market's demanding and wanting. Yes, censorship is only profitable in a localized environment. That's the that's the big difference. So 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 when when you've got a control like a walled garden, it makes sense. The problem is is in this trend towards a globalist homogenous state, the entire world becomes a walled garden, and then you try and uh, apply censorship across the whole thing. That is where it doesn't work because in order for life to subsist, there must be diversity. So within individual world gardens, different elements of censorship might work, but it has to be localized. And that can't scale beyond a particular number because beyond a particular number, you get the, um, you get the, the problem of complex systems requiring some sort of feedback, right? So right. It, it only works in a localized capacity. So then we can take that and we can then blow that up to even bigger, which is then um, really I think what you're talking about is is Bitcoin makes it unprofitable um, to to be wrong, to have these misaligned incentives. And if we take that to a bigger level, then we talk about like on a government and if a government can't print unlimited amounts of money and they had to stick to a standard like a gold standard or a Bitcoin standard, they would then also have to be good management of their money or they would lose. And so in that type of an environment, I think – kind of like you're talking about censorship working only in a smaller kind of a walled garden, not a national one. I think that's also the way politics should also work, right? So it's like uh, just in the United States, I mean, 330 million people is way too many to be under one you know, regime or one set of rules. And so totally. kind of the same thing, right? It's like, hey, if I want to live in a neighborhood, and, and this is a good example for people, um, like I could live in a, in a gated neighborhood with an association, but then like, I'm not allowed to park on the street and that's a pain in the ass. Uh, I don't like to park in the street. I don't like to have to get my trash cans in by five o'clock. I don't like that. I can ha- only paint my house three different colors. I don't like that. But on the flip side is all then my neighborhood looks clean. There's no cars on the street. All the houses are the same and, and it looks good. And so some people like that and I can choose to live in that gated neighborhood if I want. Um, I used to live in a gated neighborhood about four years ago. I moved to a non-gated neighborhood and the homes are even more expensive in the area that I'm at, but sometimes there's an RV in the driveway. <laughs> sometimes the guy's got a junker in the driveway because there's no association to enforce it. Um, so I'm free, but sometimes I don't like it as much, or I can go over there where I, it's, it's cleaner and I like it better, but then I'm not free and, but I get to choose. And I think that's kind of the difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so basically, so, so you've got this kind of, um, corrective mechanism right so if you're again let's use the gated community as an example if you have a contractual relationship you know so so as you mentioned that you can only paint three colors etc etc they're they're actual forms of censorship but light censorship right and now you may agree to those up front but then let's say over time they're like okay now you can't do this and now you can't do this and now you can't do this and now you can't do this you're like wait a minute this, this is ridiculous. I didn't sign up for this. The level of censorship is too high. The level of restriction, because that, that's effectively what censorship is, right? It's a form of restriction. It's too high. I'm leaving. Um, enough people leave the restriction. What that is, is a market feedback signal to that localized entity saying that, hey, the restrictions are too, uh, too far reaching. We need to uh, parry them back. So you know, that you have this natural corrective mechanism or this natural stabilizing mechanism for censorship as part of your business model. But when it becomes the, um, you know, the, the thing 
via which like, you know, where, where it's run by one sort of, you know, ministry of truth, um, where people are genuinely saying, hey, wait a minute, th this is a fact. And, you know, someone turns around and says, no, it's not, and you're banned. Um, like you said, it's like ripping someone's tongue out. That is like, it's, yeah, it, I mean, what else can I say? It's like, it's a, it's a, it's this fearful attempt to push down the truth uh, in an attempt to perpetuate a lie um, so that you can keep, I guess, robbing the people who are, you know, unassuming or who don't get it. it, it yeah. It's really, I don't know, it's really disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I like I like that. What I like about that is um, where this goes on a bigger scale. So I, I would say the first thing I say is that I think that as you asked me in the beginning, like, what do I think free speech is important for? And I said I think that uh, through through open free speech, we find truth, right? Truth discovery, kind of like in a free open market, you find price discovery. You only find price discovery in a free market. You only find um, truth in a in an open discussion um, environment as well. Um, but what I, what I really liked is this is this feedback mechanism, like we talked about moving from a gated neighborhood to another. Uh, if enough people move out of the gated neighborhood, they have to change because they're like, shoot, we're going to lose revenue. We have to change. And I want to talk about what that does on a bigger global scale when we come back. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. Uh, in a long roundabout, we were talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about how Bitcoin can change the world. Uh, we're going to talk about how it's going to change the world more. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution that we are living through right now. And we're talking about something a little bit deeper than you might normally hear. Uh, we're talking about how Bitcoin changes the uh, kind of the incentive structure and how it can change the world. I'm in the studio with my good friend, Alec Svetsky. That's S-V-E-T-S-K-I. You can find him on Twitter at Ghost of Svetsky. Uh, and of course, I'm the one Mark Moss on Twitter. Um, so Alex, this is something I've been um, saying for a long time, and we've had discussions about this, but I think it's apparent to anybody who's paying attention. Um, of course, we're trying to bring this back to Bitcoin, but I think it's important that, uh, or apparent to anybody paying attention that the world is trending towards authoritarianism which of course is the censorship of speech and censorship of private property and all these things. And so the world is trending towards authoritarianism. And I've, uh, I kind of believe um, that the way that we break that trend isn't through violence, it's not through war, it's not through guns. I think it breaks through competition. And so kind of like what you gave us before the break, talking about if enough people move out of the gated neighborhood, um, if, 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 uh, if, if we have competition, so that gated neighborhood would have competition, um, those people and the homeowners, those people that live in the neighborhood wouldn't go by force and with guns and kidnap the, the founders and tell them to change the rules. No, they would just move. And, and that in, in, in order to compete, that homeowner association would have to change those rules. And I think that we've seen that in the United States where Texas and Florida outcompeted New York and California. Both governors found themselves on the chopping block. One made it, one didn't. Um, but I think we're starting to see that you know, in, uh, in the United States, but we're also starting to see it on a national scale where now we have like uh, El Salvador who's now said, hey, Bitcoin's legal. Um, by the way, everybody can move here. No more mandates, no more testing, um, no, more, no more income taxes, property tax taxes, like come make as much money as you want. And I think if enough people go there, then we saw now Paraguay is saying, hey, well, us too. And then maybe it's, you know, Costa Rica and then maybe Panama. And after enough of those companies, uh, countries jump on the bandwagon and enough people leave, you know, places like the United States, um, rather than by force, the United States will go, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're losing all the productive uh, members of society. We should 
change our rules. I mean, what do you, is, is that kind of what you see? Yeah. So, so, I mean, the only vote that really, really matters is not the name you put on a ballot. Like the only vote that really matters is where you, uh, put your paycheck, right? Like where, where you allocate your money. That's simple as that. Like when I go and buy, um, grass fed beef, um, over, you know, beyond soy burgers, whatever they're called. Um, I'm voting for meat, not for fake meat, right? Um, when I go and eat at one restaurant over another, I'm voting for that restaurant. When I buy one thing over another, I'm doing that, you know, that, so, so that, that is the only vote that really matters. Everything else is just the charade. Um, so, so when you think about it at that level, it's like the, the free market has its own voting mechanism literally baked into it which is what people buy is what they want, right? Um, and, and, and that's what we do. So when you, um, when you scale that up uh, in a world where the government can't buy its own votes, really, because that's, that's when you think about what inflation and taxation is and borrowing from the future, it's, it's just buying its own votes. Um, you know, it's, the, the government has no feedback mechanism, which is you know, the, the consumer doesn't get a choice. Um, the government can do whatever it wants um, and whatever decision it makes, uh, wrong, right, or indifferent, um, it just goes and prints a little bit more money, taxes a little bit more, and borrows more. You know, like, I mean, that, that thing with Biden last week was just hilarious. We pay our debts by taking on more debt. Congratulations, yeah. man. Like, that's just yeah. like, it's like that. I just cracked up, man. So, so in that kind of a world, like, you know, you're, you're living a fraud and, you know, you don't really have a, an economic vote. You don't, you don't, you know, everything's a big charade. So on a Bitcoin standard, where as a governance uh, institution um, of any kind, you know, small state, big state, whatever, um, where you can't actually do that, you can't print, you can't forcibly tax, um, and you can't just borrow from a future because no one's going to give you money if you're a bad operator. Um, all you can do is function like a really good service provider and say, hey, come here, work here, we'll provide the bare minimums, I don't know, a judicial service, uh, a protection service, whatever whatever you know, benefits we want to provide, and come and operate. Um, and then you have to voluntarily pay for that. And what happens is the relationship changes from uh, subject overlord, which is what we've got at the moment, to customer service provider, which is what we want. Um, and that, that's, a, that's a functional relationship. And in that kind of a relationship, if someone's not treating you well, you go and you know, vote elsewhere with your economic energy. Yeah, uh, in the in the book, the sovereign individual, they talk about like uh, as a dairy cow locked up in a pen, and the farmer just you know takes all the milk they want. But then if the cow mm -hmm. could grow wings, and the cow can grow wings, and then the government's forced to instead of looking at you as a as a serf or a servant, they can look at you as a customer. And I think you know we've seen this before when when I was a kid growing up. I had many friends who came from oppressive regimes, um, you know, Afghanistan, Iran, or uh, South Africa even. And when they came, they had to come penniless because they couldn't bring their um, real estate or their gold. They couldn't even bring the money in their banks. So they had to come penniless. And so how much good does it do um, a country uh, when, you, when you leave, but you leave all your wealth to them? Um, but Bitcoin allows us to take our wealth with us, which I think will rapidly accelerate this whole uh, competition loop. Totally, because and and the best thing about Bitcoin and like a lot of people say, okay, you guys are talking about this, you're talking about you know the world getting on a Bitcoin standard and all this sort of stuff. It's like th this is Bitcoin is inevitable, 
both its discovery and both its um, its uh, ultimate supremacy, right? It's inevitable in the same way as jumping off a cliff um, and dying um, because gravity caught up is also inevitable, right? Like we may think in the early seconds of jumping off a cliff that we're flying, um, but then, you know, gravity takes hold and we realize that we can't fly. Um, and, and that's basically Bitcoin's progression, but on a generational uh, time frame, um, you know, in in the short term, we might think, oh, how are we going to overwhelm this? But, you know, Bitcoin is physics, Bitcoin is mathematics, you know, Bitcoin is raw energy and the government and the central banks and the institutions that we have today are just fantasies. They're, they're just made up things that, you know, as I said, like the CPI model is a perfect example. It's just something that we just made up and we just change it because when reality tells us it's not the case, we're like, oh yeah, just ignore that and just like change it, you know, change this variable. And then, you know, we just kind of add a bit more lipstick to the pig and, you know, we think it's beautiful, right? So, so Bitcoin's going to win. So it's inevitable in that sense. So what that means is as that reality manifests, those who hold the Bitcoin are those who hold the ultimate vote. And those who hold the ultimate vote are those who dictate the way decisions, products and services get made. And this thing changes the entire game, man. Like the current game, all decision-making is dictated and, and all incentives are dictated by those who pay for their own vote, which are the existing institutions. Bitcoin swaps it and places it into the hands of the Bitcoin holders. Um, and that's a very different looking world than what we have today. Yeah. And the other thing that I, I love about it, I've been, I've been reading a lot on uh, Solzhenitsev, who uh, wrote, you know, the Gulag Archipelos, and then uh, also Havel, which uh, I forget the name of the book, but he, he was the one that was like the Yugoslavian president. And the, both of them were writing and instrumental in the, in the fall of the USSR. And they talked about how when you're, when you're stuck living in a lie, so in a system that you don't believe in, a system that you don't like, being forced to do things you don't like to do, et cetera. When you're forced to live in that lie, you can't change it through political means, they said. Um, and so the political system is captured, controlled, whatever. And they said, what the only thing that you can do is to go build a parallel world that you can live in the truth. And so those are like black markets or gray markets. So it's like, instead of that system, uh, I don't like that system. I'm just going to go opt out. I'm going to go over here. I'll build my own financial system. I'll go build my own education system. I'll go build my own health system or whatever may be and only really bitcoin enables us to do that um, you're listening to the mark moss show we're talking about bitcoin we're talking about how bitcoin is going to change the world i'm in the studio with alex fetsky that's ghost of svetsky s-v-e-t-s-k-i find him on twitter um, bitcoin is going to change the world it's going to speed up the competition loop um, it's going to open up free speech uh, you vote with your money you vote with your feet so vote accordingly thanks for listening I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.